Hey, thanks for joining us on the No Limits Church podcast. Here at No Limits, we are dedicated to helping you live your best life. And it's a journey that we call pursuing limitless life in Jesus. And we're doing it all for one reason, so that our lives can impact the world. So wherever you're listening from, we pray that you are encouraged and empowered by this week's message. We kicked off our new series last week called Be Rich, and today's part two. But before we get into that, the reason I have Beth up here, which I actually forgot to introduce ourselves. For, for those of you who don't know us, my name's Cade, and I'm the lead pastor here alongside my wife, Beth. Uh, together we have three little ones, ages four, two, and one. We had three kids in three years, and uh, we're really excited to be here leading this church. Yeah. The reason I have Beth up here this morning is because I wanted to ask her what her key takeaway is from, from last week, part one. So go ahead and tell them. <laughs> I learned that... Uh... It was my responsibility when I get to heaven that I'm going to be responsible for how everybody else spent their money. So I made a spreadsheet. I said, Chris and Gina bought such and such. And Tarrant, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really think that's what I said at all. I actually said, when you get to heaven, God is not going to ask you how somebody else spent their money. But way to be proactive on what you thought you heard. That's really good, starting that spreadsheet. Last thing before you get off here, how about them Sooners? Boomer, yeah. I see some heads shaking. Man, I made fun of OSU last week, and then OU wins, and and we celebrate them this week. I don't know. I'm in trouble with all the OSU fans in here. How did OSU do yesterday? I didn't didn't hear about that game. They won, too. All right. All right. So everybody should be happy in the room then, right? Everybody happy? Disclaimer, I don't watch football. Betts was watching football, and I was cleaning the house. That's how backwards it is in our family. <laughs> uh, no, uh, no, no, go ahead and sit down. That was one day. And every other day she watches football, so. <laughs> it's, that's just how boring football is to me. I'm like, okay, if you're going to do that, I'll just clean the house. That seems more exciting. All right, so last week we, we worked on updating our thinking around money because the truth is our behavior is not going to change until we up, upgrade our thinking, right? Because because what we think is what, what we do, is what our, our behavior. So if we want better behavior, we don't try to change our behavior, even though that's what most of us try to do. We actually need to update our thinking. And when we change our thinking, then our behaviors will change after that. So for example, let's say you find yourself thinking that somebody who has more money than you should like help you pay your bills or like pitch in and help you out. Hey, I've been there. I've thought that before when I was struggling. I'd look at my rich family members and be like, hey, why aren't they helping me out? Well, you know what? If you think that way, you're actually going to sit at a standstill financially. You're never going to progress. So instead, to improve your financial situation, what you do is you kick that thinking to the curb, and instead you change your thinking, and you become grateful for what you have. Because what, you are blessed, you know, regardless of where you are in your finances. And then you stop comparing your financial situation to other people, because this is your journey, this is nobody else's journey, and there's no reason to compare. Because here's the deal. I showed you guys this stat last week, that if you make $32,400 per year, you're in the top 1% of earners in the world. Top 1%. And what that breaks down to is about $15.60 per hour. So if you're making that or more, you're in the top 1%. If you're making less than that, say you got a minimum wage job, I bet you you're still in the top like 10% of earners in the world. So we have a lot to be thankful for here in America. Yeah, do what? 0.1%, all right. Another thing we learned last week is that if we want to be generous, we actually have to lead with generosity. Like it has to be the first thing that you do with your income because otherwise you're going to like get to the end of your paycheck and there's going to be nothing left over, even though you intended to be generous all along. Has anybody else done that besides me? Been there, done that. And finally, we discovered that we should never put our hope in money because our culture tries to tell us that the more money you have, the more security that you have. The bigger your bank account is, the safer you are. 
but it's simply not true because if you need proof, look at all the professional athletes who like earn 200, or they earn hundreds of millions of dollars in their career. They retire and just a few years later, they have nothing. So even like hundreds of millions of dollars isn't enough to buy your security. That's a bummer, isn't it? All this time we've been trying and it just doesn't work. But why would we put our hope in the provision anyway when we could put our hope in the provider? Because I don't know if you realize this, but God created the world. God created you. He gave you your gifts and talents like he's our provider. So let's put our hope in him instead of putting our hope in what he provides. And he even gives us more than we need so that we can be generous, right? So we need to put our hope in him, not put our hope in our bank account. If those things are kind of sparking an interest on the inside of you, uh, you can go listen to that message from last week. You'll find it on our website at nolimits.church. But now let me show you the theme verse for our series. And what's interesting about this verse is it was actually written to a pastor, So this is the Apostle Paul writing a letter to Timothy, who was a pastor back then. And here's what it says. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. And I want you to notice this isn't like a passive request. Like this is, Paul wasn't like, hey, you know when it's convenient or like when the rich people are being nice, like go ahead and tell them a few things. No, this was like a command, like go and tell the rich people right now to do these two things. Don't be arrogant about your wealth and don't trust in your wealth. In other words, when you become rich and you have more than you need, there's this tendency to think that you're better than somebody else. Have you ever seen that? And there's also this tendency to think that that you're untouchable, like I can just buy my way out of things. So how do you make sure this doesn't happen to you? Well, you just keep reading. It says, put your hope in God, who richly provides us everything for our enjoyment. So the way to keep right thinking around money is to put your hope in God. Don't look to money to keep you safe. Put your hope in God. And I want you to notice that second part that I highlighted, that God's okay with you enjoying what you have. Because there's this idea out there, especially in the church, that if you have a nice house or if you go on a nice vacation, that you're using money that should have been used for a greater purpose. And that's just simply not true. Like I said, when we started this message, God is never going to ask you how somebody else spent their money. But he does care what you do with yours. And he wants you to enjoy it. Super awesome. Goes on to say, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. And I highlighted the word willing here because that's going to set the tone for today's message. In other words, like, I don't have to be generous. I want to be generous. And that's, that's the attitude, and that's the, the attitude that I want to help you grab a hold of today. My hope is for today is that God's word will plant this desire on the inside of you. So that, so that giving is no longer like a stressor in your life, but it's something that you're just excited to do. You're excited to be a part of something bigger than you, and it brings you great joy. That's what giving's all about. And I told you guys last week that as a kid, my parents uh, made me tithe on birthday money. So, like, my giving started out as an obligation because my parents made me to do it. But somewhere along the way, it actually became something that I wanted to do. I, so now, like, I tithe and I give beyond my tithe, and when I send it off, like, I send it off gladly. I'm like, here, go. Accomplish your mission, like, because I know that's what you're here for. And so here at No Limits, we're never going to guilt you into giving, um, I, I don't even want you all giving out of obligation. If you're giving out of obligation, that's, that's not a good reason to give. I want you to give because you have the desire to give. I want you to have the want to. Otherwise, don't give. And I'm actually going to show you a scripture that gives you all a cop out if you feel obligated that you don't have to do it. It's pretty cool. It says it in the word. But how do we get this desire to give? Where does that come from? There's a scripture for that too in Philippians 2.13. It says, God is working in you. Who is it? It's God and he's the one giving you the desire. And he's the one giving you the power or the ability to do what pleases him. So in other words, it's God who gives you the want to. And then he also gives you the ability to be rich and to be generous. Isn't that cool? Like, isn't that a relief? You don't have to come up with this on your own. He wants you to give because you're excited to be a part of something bigger than you. 
And that's it. So today, let's let God take this whole idea of giving from something that we have to do to something that we want to do. That's the purpose of today's message. And we don't have to guess as to whether or not God wants to help us with this, because we just read the scripture, that God will give us the desire, and he'll equip us with what we need to be generous. So let's just take a moment right now in prayer to ask God for this promise. God, we, we thank you for your word, and, and we're excited for, for what it is going to say to us and how it's going to change our thinking today so that it can change our behaviors. God, we want you to plant this desire on the inside of us to be a generous person and to do with our money what you want done with it. And God, we, we also ask you that you give us the power or you give us the abilities to, to, to have more than we need so that we can be generous. God, we thank you for the opportunities that you're going to put before us, and we thank you for the creative ideas that you're going to give us because you're just that awesome. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So there's a story in the Bible that documents what historians believe to be the largest single gift of all time. And it happened way back in the Old Testament. This was back when the, the church was meeting in tents. They have to set up a tent, and it's kind of like the churches today that set up and tear down every week, kind of like we used to in the hotel conference room. Anybody remember doing that? Good times, taking all the stuff up the elevator, setting it up, having church, taking it all back down. It's fun times. And... Um, but then God moved on King David's heart back then that it was time to build a building. Like, it's time to build the temple. We need a permanent place. And so David decided to be the example by being the first one to give towards this building project. And he didn't ask anyone else to do it. He's just like, this is what I'm going to do. And here's how it went down in First Chronicles 29. Moreover, because I have set my affection on the house of my God. I want to stop there. I highlighted the word affection because if David was on Instagram back then, like, this would have been like, hashtag, I love my church, right? Hashtag, I love Jesus. This is what he was saying here, like, I love my church, and, and that's why I'm doing this. goes on to say, I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house, my own special treasure of gold and silver. So in other words, David was giving more than he was required to give. Because back then, the tithe or giving the first 10% of your income was a requirement. It was a law. They had to do it. So he was giving far beyond that. And you may be wondering, well, how much did he give? If this was the single biggest offering of all time from an individual... Well, I did the calculations because he gave in gold and silver. So I went on Google, like, how much is a ton of gold worth? And I figured out that he gave about $8 billion worth of gold and silver in one, one time. Like this is a single gift towards this. $8 billion, one person. And here's what he said next. Who then is willing to consecrate himself this day to the Lord? I want you to notice that he wasn't like, hey, y'all, did you see this big offering I made? Now, I'm not going to be doing this alone, so y'all better chip in. I highlighted the word willing because he's like, hey, anybody, anybody else want to be a part of this? That was the question he was asking. It was an invitation. And what was their response? Well, then the family leaders, the leaders of the tribes of Israel, the generals and captains of the army and the king's administrative officers, they all gave, say it together, willingly, willingly because they wanted to. They didn't have to. They wanted to. And they gave willingly because they wanted to be a part of what was going on. And here's, here was the result. The people rejoiced over the offerings for they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. It's like this right here. This is what giving is supposed to be like, freely and wholeheartedly. I give because I love my church, and I want to be a part of the amazing things that are happening here. I give because I want to make a difference in the lives of others. How did King David feel after all this? Well, all these things I have given willingly and with honest intent, and now I have seen with joy how willingly your people who are here have given to you. So it caused great joy in David's life. So this is the spirit of giving that we try to cultivate here at No Limits Church. I'm never going to ask you for money. I'm not doing this series because the church is in a hard financial place and I need you all to give more. That's not the reason I'm doing this. I'm doing this series because I want you all to have a right relationship with money because it's going to re reduce a lot of stress in your life and it's going to open you up to the things that God wants to do in your life. I really believe that. 
So we want your giving to come from a heart that wants to see our church grow and that wants to be a part of our outreaches, like Don't Look Back Prison Ministry in the Philippines and Mexico. So when we give, like, this should really be our attitude, like, I can't believe that I get to be a part of this. And that's how we should feel whenever we give. Let me show it to you in the New Testament. 2 Corinthians 8.12 says, For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable. So God's not looking at what you give. He's looking at the heart behind your giving. Isn't that interesting? So today's all about reminding ourselves not what to do, but why we do it. We need to remind ourselves of the why behind everything that we commit to and everything that we do. And here's why the why is so important. When you lose your why, you lose your way. You catch yourself wondering, why am I even doing this? Does this have any purpose? So now I can't teach you your why. Like you have to go home and figure that out yourself. What's your why? What's that desire on the inside of you? But I can tell you why I choose to be generous. And my goal in sharing these things with you is is not like to put these on you to say that you have to have the same reasons. It's just I want to inspire what's on what's inside of you. What's your why? Maybe this maybe by me sharing my why it'll pull out your why. And here's the first reason that I give and this one may throw you off a little cuz I just talked about how giving should not come out of obligation. But the first reason I give is for obedience. And the thing is obedience to God's word is not an obligation to me. It's actually something that I love to do and it's something that I want to do. And sure, there was like a time in my life where I didn't want to be obedient to the Word of God, and it almost seemed impossible to be obedient to the Word of God. But then I kind of went on this journey. I can remember like several years ago, the Holy Spirit moved on my heart, and it was just like, Kate, I want you to study how much I love you in my Word until you get it. And you know how long that took me? A year to actually get it. All I did was study love. That was it. And it took me a year to get it, and that's when my perspective changed. Like I found out that God loved me even when I was messing up. Like, like all this time I'd spent, like, I would, I would sin or, or, like, I would do something contrary to God's word, and I would feel like, you know, I couldn't talk to him or he was mad at me or whatever, and, that, like, that wasn't the case, and that's what I found out. Like, he's just waiting for you to come back, and there he was just, like, sitting and waiting for me to come back as if, as if I'd never separated myself. So, like, no matter how many times, like, I backtracked, God was still waiting there for me when I got back, and, and when you have this revelation about God's love, obedience becomes this thing that's like an honor. Like, it's, it's kind of like a give back. Like, for, I receive God's love and I give back obedience because that's how I love God back. So this is one of the reasons I give because I want to be obedient to God by being obedient to his word. And the crazy thing is, like, God rewards obedience. As, I mean, we all know that he doesn't have to do that. And I think that's a good uh, uh, parenting tip as well. Like, as parents, we're real quick to um, discipline but when they do something right, we're not really good at rewarding it, I don't think. So, I mean, God does that to us, and that's just another tangible way of how much God loves us. And here's another reason I give, and it's for freedom. Because I used to let money control my life. Like, I'd give up time with my family to, like, work extra hours to make more money. And then I'd stress myself out with budgeting. Like, I'd just sit there in front of the computer for hours trying to figure out these numbers. And then I'd go, like, searching for the best price for everything. I'd even go to, like, three or four grocery stores when it was time to grocery stop just to get the best price on all these little items. Like, I knew where corn was the cheapest, and I knew where this was the cheapest, and then I'd just travel around to Wasso and get all that. not saying that that's a bad idea. But I remember, like, one time when Beth and I were at a Mexican restaurant after church with my family, she ordered a side of sour cream. And uh, we got the bill, and they charged us for that sour cream. A whole dollar. And I hate to admit it, but I threw a fit over that wasted dollar. I'm like, Beth, I cannot believe that you ordered sour cream. Like, that's how tight money was back then. Like, it was a big deal in my mind. And, dude, I'm so embarrassed. Like, I I threw Beth under the bus right there in front of my family, in front of the restaurant, because it upset me that much that we spent an extra dollar. And this is how in bondage I was to money. Seriously. But as I allowed God to upgrade my thinking, I found freedom. 
And then my behavior started to change. So I no longer spend an hour searching for the best deal just to save a dollar because I found out that my time is actually more valuable than saving that dollar. That hour's worth a lot more than a dollar. And it's never worth it to overwork either. That's another thing that I found out. Because like you make it a little extra money in your pocket, but it always seems to disappear. Like it never, it never paid off. So I give, I give to maintain my freedom because I know if I give before I do anything else in my li- with my income, then, then it keeps money in the right place in my life. It keeps money from becoming my boss, and instead I get to be the boss and tell my money where to go. And to all my free spirits out there, like don't take this as ammo to take home to your husbands or your wives and say, see, I told you budgets don't matter. You can throw your budget in the trash. All my free spirits out there, like budgets have a place. Planning for your money has a place. Y'all have heard me talk about it before. I'm not going to talk about it today. But I could, like, spend a whole sermon telling y'all how to budget because it's important. But here's another reason I give. And, again, these are just my reasons. You guys don't have to have these same ones. I'm just trying to inspire your own, and it's joy. Like, it's simply fun to give. It's a joy to, to see how my giving can impact somebody's life in a positive way. And most of y'all know Brandon here at our church. He's up here on the second row. Um, he's, he's been a part of our family for about a year now. Isn't that awesome? Almost, yeah. All right, he's out now. He fulfilled his commitment. But a few months ago, I had the opportunity to help him get his driver's license. And um, <laughs> I asked him to go ahead and schedule the driver's test, and then I'd, I'd take him there, and he could use my car for the test. And so he, he reached out to me, and he's like, all right, it's, it's scheduled this day and this time in Bartlesville. I was like, Bartlesville? Why Bartlesville of all places? Aren't there closer places? But he chose Bartlesville. So we, we get in the car, we head north, and, and we get, when we get there, the door's locked, and there's a sign on the door that says, closed. And I look at Brandon, and I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like, I swear, I swear, I scheduled this online. And Well, they ended up coming to the door, and he did, they were only taking appointments that day, and he was one of the appointments on the list. So he redeemed himself. And uh, so we go in there, and we wait for a little while, and then they call his name. He goes up to the lady, and, and it turns out he needs to take a written test before he takes his driving test. And they aren't doing written tests in Bartlesville that day. So I didn't, I didn't drive all that way for nothing. So I'm like, Brandon, get in the car. We're going to the Eastgate Metroplex where there's a DMV, and we're going to get your written test done. So we got there. We drove all the way from Bartlesville to East Tulsa. He took his written test, and he came out, and he, he didn't pass. Yeah. Luckily, you can actually take your written test once per day. So we went back the next day. And I'll never forget the look on his face when he came out that second time, when he had passed his written test. Like, you guys just wouldn't believe, like, the joy that was on his face. It was just the best experience. He was so excited. So, and the next up was a driving test, and they scheduled that just an hour later. So we hung around, and we went out to the parking lot, and he was out practicing his parallel parking, scaring me to death because, like, I thought he was going to hit the poles with my car. But anyway, he didn't. And then, and then we're driving through the parking lot, and, like, we stop by this truck with this guy who's out smoking a cigarette, and he's like, hey, man, can I have a, can I have a puff of that cigarette? This is something that I've never experienced before. Like, I was like, wait a minute, like, you're really going to, like, smoke from that guy's cigarette? And, and he did. <laughs> and he did. And then, and then we get back, and we go park, and, and Brandon, like, invites a complete stranger, hey, come sit in the car with us. And so she gets in, sits in the back seat, and, and oh, no, 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 sit down. So that's what was going through Brandon's head. Glad to cleared that up. But, but this, just, this disrupted my quiet little world. And I loved it. 
I really did. Like, I found myself in Brandon's world, which was a lot different than my world. And you know what I learned is that Brandon was actually teaching me how to connect with people who didn't act like me. And it was really powerful. Like, I'm never going to forget that, man. I really appreciate it. But it comes time for the test, so they, they head off and leave in my car and leave me in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah, he takes my phone, too, because that's where my insurance card is. So I'm just sitting there praying that he passes, and, and when they get back, like, I, I watch the instructor and him in the car in the front seat, and she's just, like, letting him have it. Like, and I'm just, like, for, like, a couple minutes, and I'm just like, dang it. Like, what did he do? He must have hit the poles in parallel parking. I'm just kind of, like, looking at my car. And then all of a sudden, like, his, his face, like, changed from scared to relieved, and his forehead just, like, hits the steering wheel, and he starts to cry. And the instructor gets out, and she's just like, you know, she's like, a lot of people cry when I tell them they don't pass, which I get that, but I just told him he passed, and he started crying. So, so I don't quite know what's wrong with him, but you might want to be the one to drive home. <laughs> but the truth is, like, this is something that Brandon had been looking forward to for years, and like, he passed the test, and so I took him to get his license, and we had lunch that day, and went and got insurance sorted out, and spent the whole day together. And he was just ecstatic the whole time, to the point of tears. Like, I think he just cried off and on all day. But I can't even express in words, like, how much joy I felt to be part of that. Like, and, and that's how much joy it brings, like, to give, to give of your time, to give of your finances. Like, you just never know the impact that you're going to have on someone else's life. And here's another reason I give, and that's for vision. In other words, like, I really believe that my giving makes a difference. And sure, there's times when, when I give that I see an immediate result, like I got to see in Brandon that day. But there's other times that you don't see an immediate result. And I'd say most of the time, you don't see that immediate result. Because I can remember times that God's moved in my heart to leave like a $100 tip at a restaurant, even when like the, the waiter wasn't that great. And, and I didn't get to see their reaction when they got that tip. I didn't get to figure out or know how that impacted their life or impacted their family. But I know that it made a difference. And the reason I know it made a difference is because God's the one that asked me to do it. And I, so I know that, like, when I give the first 10% of my income, like, it's going to make a difference because God asked me to do it in his word. And I, and I know that God connected me to the outreaches that I give to every month on top of my tithe. Like, he connected me to those and moved on my heart to give to those because it's making a difference. And so God's called me, and he's quit, equipped me to be generous. And I know that anything God asked me to do is going to make a difference, whether I see it or not. And you guys should have that same belief, have that same vision for your giving. That's why I encourage you guys every Sunday. I say this every Sunday. Thank God for how he's using your giving to impact the lives of those around you whenever you give, because you need to send that out with vision. And here's another reason I give, and that's for blessing plus protection. Because God's word says that when I give the first 10% of my income, he's going to open the windows of heaven. He's going to pour out a blessing so much that I can't contain it. And as if that's not good enough, he's actually going to send somebody to come protect it for me. Like I get a security guard in the process to fight off all, all that nonsense. So in other words, when you give, it brings blessing and it brings protection into your life. And you don't have to feel guilty for wanting that. Some people are like, that shouldn't be your motivation for giving. Well, yeah, it should, because that's a promise that God gave you. And we should all be wanting the promises of God, because that's what he wants for us. I want, I want from God what God wants for me. Let me show it to you in scripture. Deuteronomy 15.10 says, give generously to them and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, your Lord... The Lord your God will bless you in all your work and everything you put your hand to. He's going to bless you in all of your work and everything you put your hand to. Like, anybody else want that beside me? Like, that sounds like a good life. He wants to bless everything you put your hand to, but he knows in order for that blessing not to overtake you, it all has to start with generosity. Like, he's like, I need you to take the generous step first, and then I'm going to bless everything that you put your hands to. And here's another reason I give. And again, like I said, these don't have to be your reasons. These are mine. 
And that's an example. Did you know that one day people are going to talk about you? Okay, they actually already are. And, and they characterize you based on your behaviors and how you do things. Happens to all of us. And here's a powerful question to ask yourself. What do I want people to say about me the day of my funeral? Like, I'm not talking about during the service. I'm talking about when people are mingling before and after your service. What do I want people to say about me? Well, well, he liked to sit in his recliner and watch football. Or uh, he was a really hard worker, but I didn't get to see him much. None of us want people to be saying that kind of stuff about us. We want to be known for how well we loved people and how generous we were, we were and, and how we made a difference in the lives of those around us. And since that's what you want, like the time to start working towards that is now. And that's one of the reasons I give, because I want to be an example of generosity to you guys. I want to be an example of generosity to my kids and everybody that I come in contact with, because a generous life, like the Bible tells us, is how you take hold of life that's really life. Like if you want a good life, if you want the real life that God has for you, you got to like generosity has got to be a part of it. And I could probably keep giving you reasons why I give, but let me, I don't really want to bore you. You're like, that, that was enough already. Can you just skip this one? No, just got one more for you, and it's eternity. Because I know that one day, when I die, I'm going to stand before Jesus. I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but I imagine I'm going to be so overcome with love that I won't be able to say anything. So Jesus is going to do all the talking. And I hope that it goes something like this. Like, Kate, I've been waiting a long time to tell you this. You did good. Like, you did really well. Like, I gave you stuff on earth. I gave you responsibility. I gave you some talents. And I gave you those incredibly good looks. Like, I gave you that. And I gave you the perfect wife. And I gave you these incredible children. And I gave you No Limits Church in the city of Owasso. I gave you influence. And you did something with it. Good job. And that's what I want to hear when I get to heaven. I just want to hear Jesus say, you know, well done, my good and faithful son. Like, enter into this joy that I've been preparing for you. So the point I want to get across here is that we all need to take time to think about our why. Why am I giving? Why am I generous? What is it that stirs me up to be generous? We read in Philippians earlier that God's actually the one who gives us these desires, but he also gives us the abilities to be generous. And we just talked about the why, which is so important, but I want to finish up and button up today's message with the how, because our culture has fallen into this idea that giving should be, the, it should be spontaneous and like something that's like when I'm overcome with emotion and I feel like I need to give, like that's when I give. But the problem with that is like you're going to miss out on some incredible opportunities to be generous if you're waiting to be moved by emotion and if you're waiting for that spontaneous feeling. Because take a look at this scripture, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. So you got to decide in your heart how much to give. Well, this doesn't sound emotional at all. Like he's just saying, make a decision. We're not waiting to hear somebody's emotional story that moves us to tears. We're not waiting to see human suffering on the TV before we decide to give. we got to decide to give before any of that happens, before we see any of that. And that's why the stories I tell you each Sunday are about what your giving has already accomplished. Have you guys ever noticed that I don't tell you stories about a need that needs to be met? Because I want you to decide in advance how much you want to give. And then I'm going to tell you all about what your giving is accomplishing. Because I want you to decide. And let it be a decision that comes from your heart, not because you're moved with emotion. Scripture goes on to say, And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. So here's that scripture I was telling you about. If you feel pressured or if you feel obligated, like, here's your way out. Just 2 Corinthians 9, 7, it, bam. I don't have to give right now because I feel obligated. So don't give when you feel this way. Instead, you just need to take time to find your why. 
Take time to examine your heart, because that's what God wants. When we give simply because we want to, like, here's how God responds to that. You're going to be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And then, when, and then when we take your gifts to those who need them, they're going to thank God. In other words, your giving is going to cause people to come to Jesus. That's what that second part is. But this isn't for emotional givers. This isn't for people who wait for emotion to move them. This is, this is for people who, who give because they want to. This is not for people who feel pressured or obligated to give. This is like, I want to give. So, and when you, when you give that way, you're enriched in every way, and, and God equips you to be generous, always. So with this in mind, I want to give you three things to guide your giving. And the first one is, let your giving be intentional. In other words, have a plan for your giving. Be intentional about how much and when you're going to give. And there's an interesting story uh, about Jesus that I want to show you. This one cracked me up. Mark 12, 41. Jesus sat down there to the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. So he was, he was his offering time. Here's the bucket, and Jesus over here on the side. Mm-hmm. You could have given more. Oh, wow, that, that was pretty good. You know, if I did that to you guys, y'all would throw a fit. Maybe we should try that sometime. But it goes on to say, many rich people put in large amounts, And then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. Jesus called his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions, for they gave a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything that she had to live on. Wait a minute. Like, she she didn't give more. It said there was people who dropped in large sums of money, and she only gave two cents. That doesn't sound like more to me. Like, the math isn't working out there. But remember when we talked about early how God is more concerned about the heart behind your giving, like, that's exactly why I said this woman had given more, because she gave all she had, like, she was all in, she was giving her 100%, and the others, even though they had, like, they gave large sums of money, it was for money that they didn't need anyway, remember that word surplus, they didn't need it anyway, even though it was a large sum, and so this is why the next one's so important, and that's percentage giving, and you may think, like, why, why does he keep bringing this up, I'm getting tired of hearing about this, and the reason is because of the stat that I shared with you all last week, that the more Americans make, the less they give. And this is statistically proven. If you look at America, the people who have less actually give more when you look at the percentage than people who are more wealthy than them. Shouldn't it be the other way around? Like, that doesn't make any sense at all. So the tithe, or giving the first 10% of your income, is so important for so many reasons, and one of those being, so your giving increases alongside your income. Like, they just go hand in hand as it goes up. And that keeps you from becoming an American statistic. Because I don't know about you, but I don't want to be an American statistic. And you may even want to go far beyond, or you may want to go beyond that and even set aside a percentage of your income for other giving opportunities. That's totally up to you for helping families in need or whatever God puts on your heart. Now, let me give you the last thing to guide your giving. Take a look at the scripture first. 1 Corinthians 3.12 says, anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. So this is just painting an image for you guys that like, everybody's working hard. We're all working hard in this life, but not everything we do is going to survive. Trying to work hard. Then it goes on to say, but on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kinds of work each builder has done. If the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. Survives what? What's the work going to survive? Eternity. Which actually gives us the third guideline for our giving. That's focus on eternal giving. In other words, not all giving is the same. Like you could give to somebody that helps them in a practical way. But if they didn't end up going to heaven, did you really help them? Let me put it to you this way. Social justice without spiritual justice is not justice. Like if you only care about immediate needs, but you don't 
help them find Jesus, you didn't really help them. Because this life is really short. We talk about this a lot. You have this life, and then you have eternity. Yes, we should feed the, feed the poor, and, and we should clothe them, and we should help them. Like, that's, that's part of what we got to do. But we got to do it in Jesus' name. Like, we not only give them food, but we give them Jesus by loving on them and, and, and helping them live the life that they were created to live. And that's why I believe the best place for you to give is not like just any charity, but you need to find the places, the organizations that make an eternal difference. There's a lot of them out there. There's a lot of organizations out there that meet practical needs in Jesus' name. Like the one that comes to mind is we have, uh, we adopted a kid through World Vision where you give monthly, and they're not only providing for that kid's practical needs, but they're helping him know Jesus, like through schooling and things like that. So it's awesome. So let's sum all this up in one simple statement. God has blessed me with more than I need so that I can make an eternal difference in the lives of others. Actually, let's all say that together. God has blessed me with more than I need so I can make an eternal difference in the lives of others. Amen. So we've covered a lot of ground today, but one of the most important things we can do before we leave is to let the Holy Spirit reveal to each of us individually what our next step is, because it's going to be different for everybody in the room. So I want to take a moment before we go to quiet our minds and and let God speak. So go ahead and bow your heads, close your eyes, quiet your mind. Holy Spirit, we invite you right now to speak to our hearts and make clear what our next step is from today's message. Go ahead and keep your eyes closed as we continue to let God move. Throughout this message, maybe one thing that stood out to you is that you need to give your heart to Jesus. Like maybe you've been close to Jesus and you've drifted away or maybe you've never given your heart to Jesus. Well, that's what salvation is all about. It's not complicated. Salvation is as simple as believing that Jesus died to set you free from from your past, from your mistakes and, and from all those things that are holding you back. And there's nothing you can do to earn that. It's all Jesus. And all you have to do is recognize that and receive the gift that Jesus gave you of new life. And when you give your life to Jesus, you immediately transition your eternity from hell to heaven. You immediately get that gift so that you know if you died tomorrow, you're going to be with Jesus. And then Jesus takes you in like as his own, and he begins to walk with you along this journey of finding your best life. It's a journey. There's some things that are going to change in your life right off the bat, but not everything's going to change. You're going to have to walk some things out, and that's okay because we all have. But no one's looking around like this is just between you and Jesus. If this is you, I want you to just lift your hand simply as a way to say, that's me. I'm giving my heart to Jesus today. So if that's you, go ahead and lift your hand up and put it back down. And church, let's all join them in saying this prayer together. So everybody go ahead and repeat this after me. Jesus, I've been living without you and I don't want to do that anymore. 
I've done a lot of things wrong and I need your forgiveness. I accept your love and your grace for me. And I ask that you would be my Lord. Thank you for making me new. Thank you for washing away my past. I hand my life over to you. Help me to walk out your plan for my life. Amen. And God, we just thank you for your amazing word today. We thank you that you've renewed our thinking. We thank you uh, that we've refreshed our hearts and given them to you. And we thank you that you're going to lead us and you're going to direct us as we step into generosity. You're going to give us creative ideas. You're going to give us opportunities to help bring even more income into our lives so that we can be generous in every way. God, you're faithful and we look to you as our provider. You provide everything we need. God, you're the one who gave us our gifts and ability. You're the one who made this world and all the materials that we use to make things and build things. God, you are the one who created all of that. It's not me. It's you. And I give it to you, and I thank you for being my provider, and I rest in that, and I trust it. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Didn't offend anybody, did I? Nah. It's always good. I did? Always. Well, it's a good thing we have such a good relationship then, huh? So you can forgive me when you walk out. Well, guys, each, each month, you may know this already, that, but we spend $500 to Don't Look Back Prison Ministry every month, and this helps uh, support their ongoing operations. They actually go into the jails several times a week, and they lead those guys into a real relationship with Jesus. It's, it's incredible. And uh, they also have a house uh, for people who are transitioning out of prison called the Don't Look Back House, and to get them back on their feet and help them is quite a transition from what I hear to come out of prison. So they're helping them with all that. And they actually have a new guy moving in on Tuesday. And it, yeah, that's you. <laughs> but y'all, that's so exciting. And even though you're not there, like you get to be a part of that through your giving. Like, like how this guy's life is going to change is going through the Don't Look Back house. Like you're a part of that. And it's incredible. It says you give today. Thank God for how he's using it to make a difference in the lives of others. If you're giving by cash or check, you can raise your hand and our usher will bring you an offering envelope. If you're giving with a debit or credit card, you can use the instructions on the screen. Or if you're listening online, head to your browser and type in nolimits.fyi into the address bar and then tap that giving button. All right, y'all, let's pray over our offering. Lord, we thank you so much that you give us the opportunity to give, and we thank you for what you're doing with our giving. We ask that you multiply it as it goes out, and we also ask that you multiply it in our own lives so that we can give more. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us, and a special thanks to those that give into our ministry. It's because of your generous giving that we're able to lead people to Jesus and make a difference all around the world. If you're ready to give, head to your browser and type nolimits.fyi into the address bar. And hey, if you were encouraged by this podcast, hit that share button and pass it on so that others can be encouraged as well. Or you can even take a screenshot and share it on your social stories. Thanks again for listening and God bless you.